How's everybody doing? It's nice to see everyone kind of spread out, socially distanced. I want to welcome all those that are watching online. We want you to know you are a big part of our family. I know a lot of those that are staying back. In fact, about two-thirds of our church are staying back right now. You are important. You are valuable. Don't isolate yourself. Just know that we're praying for you. We're here for you. And you're just as much a part of the church today by staying home as those that are here right now. So let's welcome those. People that came up to me on their way in today, they said, you look a little tired, Pastor Glenn. The reason I look tired is because I'm tired. I went to camp. And I want to tell you, I never get tired of watching young people turn their lives to Jesus Christ and God make alive in our young people such power, such anointing. It's powerful to watch. It's beautiful. I love it. But I'm tired. Now, I want you to know, Countryside as a church, we have always had a heart for the next generation. Now, I want to give you just some, some things here. I was at camp. Pastor Tim and Fallon and his wife were at camp. My wife Elaine was at camp. Pastor Elena, our worship director, Michael was at camp. Pastor Andrew, Danica, Marcelo, Pastor Chris Rush, Scott Beck. We had probably two-thirds of our staff at camp. Why do we do that? It's because we're committed to see God move in the next generation. We're committed to that. I see some of you that are in your 30s and 40s that I was your youth pastor. Let me tell you, the fire of God still burns in my heart for the next generation. Are you ready for week three of praying with fire? Are you ready for this? Father, anoint this word, anoint our hearts, anoint our ears to hear this word. Draw us near to you. We don't want to stay the same. God, we want to be drawn in to be all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, what we're doing is we're talking about what it means to pray with fire. And we've been taking this series off of a book written by Craig Rochelle called Dangerous Prayers. How many of you are following along in the seven-day devotional with Dangerous Prayers that are on your version? We've also been sending that out. If you haven't, I encourage you, go to the version app, download that app, and put in for a devotion of Dangerous Prayers. We're trying to really move from where we are to where God wants us to be. Week one, I talked about the importance of praying this prayer. Very dangerous prayer. God, make me bold. Make me bold. God didn't place us on this earth to be a complacent, sit on the sidelines group of people. God's called his church, his bride, to rise up and be what God's called us to be, to wake up the sleeping giant of the church and radically change the world forever for the cause of Jesus Christ. It's only going to happen if we're bold with our faith. God's called us to get out of our comfort zone and be bold. Can you say amen? Week two, Pastor Andrew, such a great message for my son last week as he shared the most, it's most important thing of the prayer of God, speak to me. So many people, they're just going, 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 doing their thing that they don't take time to be still and hear the whisper of the Lord. So many people, they say, I never hear from God. Do you listen? Because we don't serve a vending machine God. We don't serve a God that we're just sitting there giving all these requests. Okay, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you, God. No, God wants us to be still and to listen to his voice in the stillness, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Can you say amen? Now this week, I would say, is probably the most challenging week 
of a dangerous prayer that we're going to talk about. I want to warn you, as we start this week, I want to give you a warning. It's fair. Fair warning. You're probably not going to like this prayer. Some of you may refuse to ever pray this prayer. It's not a common prayer. It's not an easy prayer. It's not a pray this and it'll make you feel good inside. You ever have those prayers where you feel and you're like, oh, that feels good. I just feels good. That's not this prayer. It's not a safe prayer. It's not a God make it easy on my life version of praying. That's what we get caught up in Western Christianity. It's always, God, just do me, me. It's all about me. We put ourselves in the center. God, if you bless me, then you're good. It's not that kind of prayer. So I just want to give you that warning. Now, I love feel-good prayers. I love to pray, God, protect my family, protect our church. We're praying this right now. We're praying, God, protect us. Lord, Jabez prayed, bless me, oh God, bless me. And he blessed him. I love those prayers. I love the prayers that say, help me to have a good day. I love to pray the prayers, God, bless this food. I love food. Some of you are looking at me like, well, I don't really like, you love food too. And I wanted to be blessed. But this is not that kind of prayer. It's a prayer that you pray and you ask God to do this and it may not be a hassle-free action that's gonna happen afterwards. You may not have a great day. It may not be green lights that you face. Ever you drive on a trip and you hit all the green lights, you're like, praise the Lord, it's a good day. It may not be a sunny, beautiful day that you're gonna get from this prayer. You may not get that spot. I love the times where I'm, I'm back when we used to have like a mall that was open and there was crowds there. I know this, I know this is weird. It's just so long ago, I don't remember this. But remember how good it felt to get that front parking spot? I know they're available now like crazy, but um, it may not be a prayer of, oh God, I just, it's gonna be a good day if my kids behave. I used to pray that when my kids were young. I had a couple strong-willed kids. My older two was like, whoa. And when Elaine would meet me, sometimes she would meet me at the door when I came home, and she'd hand me the belt. You'd say, go take care of business. It was a rough day. Not, not much, but it happened. And there were other days she said, the kids were good today. And I'd say, it's a good day. It's a good day. This is one of the most dangerous prayers that you can pray. It's uncomfortable. It's possible that this prayer will frustrate you. It could make your life harder. It probably won't be an easier life that you're praying for with this prayer. Remember, Jesus, when you follow him, it was never meant to be easy. See, we, in, in Western Christianity, it's like, oh, you follow Jesus and everything is just perfect. That's just not the way it is. That's not the gospel message. Following Jesus was never meant to be safe. They're sacrifice. So a lot of you are like, well, wow, I'm glad I came to church. I'd like to welcome everyone to Countryside Christian Church. I hope I'm encouraging you today so far with this prayer. But today's prayer is, God, break my heart. God, break it. Crush it. Strip me of all my comfort, thy ease. God, I, I pray that you would strip me of spiritual apathy. Now, this isn't the kind of broken heart that happens when your boyfriend or your girlfriend breaks up with you. It's not this kind of broken heart. It's not the kind of broken heart that when someone close to you dies, it's not that kind of broken heart. But I warn you, 
if you pray this very dangerous prayer, God's going to answer it. And it's never going to be the same again in your life. Your heart will be burdened. At times, your heart will be grieved. There will be heartache over injustices. You may lose sleep, burn with a righteous anger. You may do things that you don't even understand. But I promise you this, when you do this, you will face resistance. You will face opposition, criticism, and even persecution. Some people, they think, oh, someone made fun of me because I'm a Christian. That's not persecution. Real persecution. And in all of your pain and agony and discomfort, you still will find joy when this happens. When you will be blessed as your heart breaks over something that breaks the heart of God. You see, the prophet Jeremiah, he's known as the weeping prophet. Preston, I call Preston Jeremiah because he's so tender. Oftentimes I hear him in worship just crying. I'm like, for a long time I didn't even know his real name. I just called him Jeremiah. Now, I, I'm not known as the weeping pastor. I'm not. And a lot of you are like, why doesn't he ever get teared up? This is why. Because if I get teared up and I start crying, I cry for three days. And so the service ends at that point. But you know, when, when Elaine comes up, my wife, and she begins to share, and oftentimes she, she tears up, oftentimes she'll weep, is because she's sharing something with you that absolutely breaks her heart. In Jeremiah's day, the people of Judah were rebelling against God. Injustices were rampant. Leaders were abusing widows. They were sacrificing children to false gods. This absolutely broke God's heart and in turn broke Jeremiah's heart. In Jeremiah chapter 8, starting in verse 18, it says, My grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and I am overcome with grief. His heart was broken for those that could not stand against the injustice that were being brought against them, the killing of children, the things that were happening to the widows. It was absolutely horrible. So what did Jeremiah do? Jeremiah did what he was supposed to do. He began to pray. He began to fast. He began to preach some of the most fiery messages that were ever preached in the Old Testament. If you look back and look at Jeremiah, his grief was unbearable, and his heart was absolutely broken for what breaks the heart of God. Do you want that? Do you want that kind of hurt? Do you want your heart to be broken the way God, God's heart breaks? You see, I like it when people are nice to me. Do you like that? I like when people, when we're at a red light and we're backed up and I'm trying to get out and people go, I like that. Sometimes I'm so excited, I just want to get out of my car and just hug them, but I would get killed, so I don't do that. I like it when I get an email that says, Pastor Glenn, that was great this week. I love that. I love it when someone says, you know what, I want to just take you to lunch, and I'll pay. I'm like, really? I love that. I said, I'll pray for the food if you do that. But you see, God didn't call me to please people all the time. God called me to pray a dangerous prayer, to live out a life that makes a difference in this world. 
You see, when God begins to break your heart, the things that matter to God begin to matter to you. The things that breaks God's heart begins to break your heart, and you're not living without a purpose anymore. You're living with the purpose of making a difference in this world with the life that God has gifted you with. And when you begin to step up, and you begin to pray, God, break my heart, and he breaks it, that's going to move you to an action that will absolutely change this world and your world forevermore. But you've got to step up and say the prayer. Now, it's a gut-riching burden. This prayer can cause it to consume your thoughts. It doesn't let up. Sometimes it'll eat at you and gnaw at you. You have no choice but to act. A lot of people, they say, how did you do youth ministry for so long, Pastor Glenn? Listen, I did youth ministry since I was 19 years old. That was like 20 years ago. It's a lot longer than that, but it's okay. It's okay. But you see, when I was 19 years old, I served in the youth ministry, and I began to see what God would do with the next generation. I began to see God heal, and he began to see people get saved, and kids' lives that were heading down the wrong way. God radically changed, and I said, God, this is what breaks my heart. What breaks yours for the next generation. It broke my heart to see what kids were going through. The broken families the kids that felt fatherless, the kids that were going through drugs and alcohol and the deception and the lies of this world. And I knew in my heart, if I can get them now when they're in junior high, middle school, and high school, they'll never be the same again. Why is camp so important? Because it absolutely will change the trajectory of a teenager's life when they make that commitment to God, they'll never be the same again. How can I miss that opportunity? How can I miss that? How did you do it for 25, 30 years? It's because that's what made me tick. There were times I was up at night praying for teenagers. There were times I was, during the day, I'm like, my heart broke. And what it did is it gave me a passion inside of my heart to see young people serving the Lord. It's not by accident that young people have always raised up in this church. I want you to know that. It was a very strategic plan that God had, but it starts with the leaders. Our founding, pastor, our founding pastor, Pastor Lloyd, always had a heart for the next generation. When other departments were having to get, have pay cuts and different things, he said, blank check for the high school and the middle school ministries, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. In the middle of COVID-19, there's so much uncertainty. What are we doing? I want you to know we're doing our best. We're doing our best. We're praying we're, we're doing our best to keep everyone safe. You saw them up there with their masks, baptizing people. But there were people at this camp that before they went to camp, they were saying, God, this is your last chance. There were some that were going through such a dark depression. They were going through suicidal thoughts, and they were saying, God, this is your last chance. And I saw those kids getting baptized. It's, it's powerful. I was blessed to be the youth director for 20 years here. In fact, when the board asked me to be the senior pastor 10 years ago, they gave an exclusion. They said, if you decide you wanna go back to the youth after a year, you can go back to the youth. I'm like, write that down, write that down. But what I saw 
is I was able to use my influence with the congregation to really even do more when it comes to youth ministry. People thought, are you crazy? You're going to build a youth center? After all that we went through to build this, you're going to redo a $2 million youth center, which was our old sanctuary? There's no way. You can't do this. And I looked at those naysayers and I said, how can I not do this? How can we not come together for the next generation? A church that will provide a space where kids can come in and be dynamically changed with the word of God and enter into worship. You saw that, first class. We have to do it good. Because guess what? The world's doing it good. Oh yeah. If we just put together some cheesy thing, try to whip out those flannel graph things, a lot of you don't even know what that is. It's not working. We gotta be on the edge, and we are on the edge. Why do I go to camp? I hate camping. It's hot. I told the kids one night, I'm like, listen, I'm old. And I'm like, oh, some of the sweet ones are like, oh, no, you're not old. Some of the, the guys, and they're, they're here this morning, some of them were like, you old. But you know why I go? Because that's what breaks my heart. That's what moves me. That's what I'm here on this earth to do, is to make a difference in the next generation. And get ready, church, because our, our church is right on the cusp. We get through all this garbage that's going on right now and all this happening. There will be a day where we're going to get back and we're going to see God move in our midst like we've never seen before. Can you say amen to that? Now, this is the opposite message of American culture Christianity. You know, for, for so many, we just want to come and, and hear the bless me. I'm blessed coming, I'm blessed going. I'm going to name it, I'm going to claim it. God, I'm laying my hands on this Mercedes in Jesus' name. That's not the gospel. The gospel sacrifice. No one ever said it was going to be easy, but it's blessed and it's living out your purpose to bring glory to the name of Jesus. God, break our hearts. God, break our hearts. Number two, what if God's greatest blessings come from God's greatest breakings? What if God broke your heart for what breaks his? What if God blesses you with a holy hurt? A holy hurt blesses you with a holy burden to make a difference in this world. You're like, Pastor Glenn, this is heavy today. Listen, I love comfort. I do. I like air conditioning. I love it. I like to go to nice hotels, but I always get a good deal. I want you to know that. If you ever see me posting, I get a good deal. But there's times that Elaine and I may go to a three-star. and We're in vacation mode, and she'll say, you know, this is nice. I'd really like one more star next time. And so I give her one more star next time. I love to eat nice food at nice restaurants, but God didn't create me to be on this world and in this earth with the purpose of making me feel good and making me comfortable and allowing me to live the, the life. That's not his purpose. Now he will do that and I pray that God blesses you. When we say that we're praying for God's blessing, we are praying. But that's not the purpose of God in your life and being here on this earth. There's going to be pain. I hate pain. I watch my wife in childbirth. I'm like, whoa, I would never be able to do that. 
Watched her the second time. I thought, man, what a champ. In fact, I remember I showed you the picture. I was in the hospital bed during one of those because it was like making me woozy. I don't like pain. But guess what pain does? Pain purifies. Suffering will strengthen your spirit. I have suffered. I will tell you that. But it was through the sufferings that strengthened me and enabled me to walk out the very call of God in my life. Trials will teach us to depend on God. God, break my heart. It snaps us out of the self-centered pursuit of ease. To have something to do can't, cannot do anything, but you're compelled to do God's very best with your life. We see it throughout Scripture, how God broke the heart of people that compelled them to do amazing things on this earth. You look at Moses. When he was a young Hebrew boy, he was raised and saw how the slaves of Israel were treated by the Egyptians. They were beaten. He was tormented by that. And when he met Jesus at the burning bush face to face, he's like, it's time for you to go. And at that burning bush, God broke Moses' heart for the things that broke his. And what did Moses say? Even though he couldn't talk well, he stuttered. But he said, I will go and I will say who sent me. And what did he do? He, years later, he stood before the most powerful man in the world at the time, Pharaoh, and boldly proclaimed to Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses, one of the most unlikely people ever to be used by God to do what he did, unlikely. David, David, little boy, goes out to war to give his brothers food and snacks on the front line. And there they, he sees Goliath, this great giant, mocking the Israelites, bad talking, talking trash with God. David's like, oh no, you will not talk about my God that way. When most people are like, I gotta run because this giant's so big, he's gonna kill me. David's like, that giant's so big, there's no way I'm gonna miss him. And he took his sling, and he took a stone, popped him in the head, cut off his head. A little boy with a broken heart for the things that breaks God's heart. Nehemiah. Nehemiah was living a comfortable life, but he had a high-risk job. His job was to taste wine to make sure the wine wasn't poisoned. So each day that he survived, he would go home to his wife and say, it's a good day. It's a good day. So there he was living his comfortable life, and he got tragic news from home where the walls had been torn down. And it broke his heart, and he began to cry. Everything was at risk, and he asked the king if he could go and to rebuild the wall, but he had no building experience. He was a wine taster. But look what God did. God used a man with no building experience with a broken heart for the things that breaks God's heart. And he went and he told these people, fight for your families. Fight for your wives. Fight for your husbands. Fight for your kids. Fight for your home. Because his heart was broken. And together they did the miracle of rebuilding the wall in such a short period of time. You see, all of us need to have a Popeye moment. How many of you remember Popeye the Sailor Man? Really, some of you teenagers, really? Wow, good job, parents. That's good, that's good rearing, that's good. 
Well, for those that don't know what Popeye moment is, Popeye, who was this strong guy, ate his spinach, that's when he would get strong. There was a bad guy by the name of Bluto. Bluto, some people call him Brutus. But Brutus and Bluto, that, that guy was trying to steal his woman, which is olive oil. And I must say, when I was a young kid, I thought, man, for a cartoon, olive oil's looking pretty good. <laughs> and here, olive oil is always about to get run over by a train or whatever. And Popeye, every episode, he would reach a moment and he would say, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And he would save the day. All of us need to have a moment where there's something in our heart that's broken for the things that breaks the heart of God. I dare you to pray it. I dare you to pray, God, break my heart, to shake you out of this continual pursuit of comfort, to stir you up with a divine burden that you simply can't ignore. When your heart breaks, one day you will feel, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. This happened about three and a half years ago with my wife, Elaine. She came to me and she said, we've got to do something for the young adults in our church. There were like seven of them in our entire church. All these years we would have hundreds of kids in the youth ministry, but with our young adults, 18 to 29, there'd be like five, 10, 15. And she said, Glenn, what I want to do, I've been praying, I want to bring the young adult ministry into our home. And I just calmly just said, you know, I need to hear an audible voice for that to happen. You know, I'm not so sure. She said, no, this is God. And I, and I knew it was. So our first night, we had seven people. We started just working, calling young adults, calling them. We would have pizza. At first, we didn't tell them we were even going to talk about Jesus. I would just send them a guy eating wings. We'd have 20 people show up. Where's the wings? Over about four months, five months, it grew to about 35 young adults. In my, at my house, I would wear one of those parking jackets, literally. For those that were there, you remember, I was out front, you know, moving people, because they filled up our entire neighborhood until we had about 35 cars there every Tuesday night. We moved it to a Starbucks, grew to about 45 people, were there for about six weeks, and then moved that young adult ministry into the cafe, you know, the little side part of the cafe. We're like, man, if we ever fill this up, man, it'd be a miracle. We grew to about 60 young people there. I'm like, God, what is going on? What's the special sauce as to what happened? And you know what the special sauce was? My wife had a broken heart for what breaks God's heart. She's like, I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna give up on these kids. Anyone that walks through those doors, first of all, they're gonna know that they matter. They're gonna know that God's got a plan for their life. They're gonna know that they are loved and they are welcomed here. And hopefully everyone that comes into our young adult ministry that that happens. So we moved from there into the middle school room in the youth center. We grew to about 90 young adults. Last, about a year and a half ago, we moved into the youth center. Last year, at this time, before all this COVID nonsense, now I don't mean that, it's whatever. I don't mean that, don't take, oh please, don't take that as bad, whatever. Can't say anything. We had 180 young adults. Right now, we're running over 90. But it all started with a broken heart of one person. It's a miracle what God can do with one person with a broken heart. 
One person that won't give up. One person that wakes up and says, today I'm going to make a difference because God has broken my heart for what breaks his. What makes your heart beat? What makes your heart ache? Is it for the unborn? Let me tell you, the battle is real there. As a church and school, we've given almost $1.5 million to the pregnancy center of Pinellas County over the years because we have a heart for that. Maybe it's human trafficking. That's a big deal. Maybe that's what breaks your heart. Get involved. Make a difference. Maybe it's helping people with depression, mental illness. Maybe it's building marriages. You may have an incredible marriage that God has restored. God will use you to restore other marriages because that's what breaks your heart. God will use you. Maybe it's teens. Man, we need help. We need help in the youth group. There's kids that are battling depression. There's kids that are cutting themselves. There's people in our church that are addicted to drugs and alcohol and pornography. What breaks your heart that's going to make a difference? I thank God that he's broken my heart. I don't want to live a life that is mundane, that's just going through the motions. I want to live a life where my life is making a difference in this world for what breaks my heart. The last point today is it's better to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. Let that sink in. It's better to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. We see where Paul is talking in Romans chapter 9, starting in verse 1. He says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter, utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Wow. He'd be willing. Why? Because the Apostle Paul tortured Christians. Had them killed. Watched them suffer. But when he met God face to face, and God created a new person in the Apostle Paul, God touched his heart, broke his heart, to make a difference in this world for the lost. Two-thirds of the New Testament are written by this man. Why? Because his heart has been broken. Now, I didn't preach this message to scare you. I preached this message to challenge you. And as a pastor that's been doing this a long time, I want you to know I'm thankful for the pain. Because every day I'm driven to do something eternal. Something that really matters. My heart is broken by something that breaks the heart of God. Now my challenge is to you today. Are you willing to pray this very dangerous prayer? Because if you do, you're going to make a difference and your life's going to matter like it's never mattered before. The things that begin to move on your heart. And let me tell you, it's not always easy. I mean, you could go years and, and you just feel like you're just starting. It's okay. You persevere and you get up every day. You say, God, use me to make a difference as my heart has been broken for what breaks your heart and your world will never be the same again. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Father, I just thank you for this church and this group of people that love you. Father, break our hearts. Lord, we're here to make a difference in this world. We don't want to just stay the same. We don't want to live our life in a mundane way that doesn't really matter or it's meaningless, but we want to live our life with purpose, with the things that break your heart. 
use us, your church, your bride. Help us, Lord, to pray those dangerous prayers that are going to move us from where we are to where you desire us to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe here today, you say, Pastor Glenn, I feel it. I'm moved. And I want to tell you, that's the Holy Spirit that's moving your heart. And I want you to know, as your pastor, I will be praying for each one of you every day because it starts with a broken heart. It starts with a heart after God. It starts to begin to move in the places that only God could take you through your obedience. And when your obedience, which is better than sacrifice, happens, God will take you places you never even thought beyond, above and beyond all that you could ask or even imagine. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've walked away from God and God's pulling you back today. The Bible says that today is your day of salvation. Today, right now, the Bible says it's the day of your salvation. If you've been walking that fine line, one foot in, one foot out, God's saying to you today, commit. Commit to a real relationship with God Almighty himself through his son, Jesus Christ. It's not about religion. It's not about following the rules. It's not about church attendance. It's about a real loving relationship between you and God through his son, Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Glenn, I want today to be a new day for me. I don't want to be the same. Today I want to give my life fully to Christ, to live the life that he's called me to live, hand in hand with my Savior. If that's you, when I count to three, will you just raise your hand up? If you're at home right now watching, maybe you're watching on the app, you can hit the raise your hand button that's there, or if you're watching on Facebook Live right now, there's a link that can take you right to someone that can pray for you. But those that are here live today, when I count to three, will you just raise your hand? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But the Bible says today is a new day for you. In Jesus' name. One, two, three. Will you raise that hand if that's your, your heart and your prayer? I see your hand. God bless you. Thank you so much. I see your hand over here. I see your hand back there and yours and yours and yours. I see your hand and yours and yours. God bless you. It's a new day. God bless you. Who else? Say, Pastor Gunn, will you pray for me? Thank you so much. Let's all pray together for the sake of those that raise their hand. Let's pray all. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me on the cross. You gave your life so that I might know life, eternal life. Today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart because today I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my very best friend. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a great praise offering, church. I love you so much. We'll see you next week. Would you stand with me to receive a blessing today? And if you're watching from home, if you would just turn your palms upward, just in an attitude of receiving. May the Lord bless you with a heart that breaks for the things that break God's heart. May he bless you with a heart that burns with his passion. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into our service today, Countryside. If you made the decision to follow Jesus, we would love to pray with you. Head over to our Countryside app under the prayer, under the resources tab. We have a team of people waiting to pray for you. Congratulations. This is the start of something new. This week on Tuesday and Thursday, we also got some great content coming up for you on our app. On Tuesday, Missy Lane will be teaching us about a prayer testimony that she experienced. And on Thursday, I'll be leading you through a guided prayer. We'll see you next week.